0: Gabriel Puyol, Associate Vice President of Sales here at iResearch and your host for today's episode. Our topic for discussion today is Intelligent Banking Operations, Strengthening Resilience and Accelerating Transformation. To help navigate this topic, I have the pleasure of introducing our guest, Samir Garwell, Vice President of Banking Compliance Solutions at Watercloors. Welcome, Samir.
1: Hey, thank you, Garpeet. Glad, glad to be here today.
0: Brilliant. So I think to kick off, Samir, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and your role at Walters Kluwer? Sure.
1: Uh, you know, I've been in the banking industry for a little over 20 years, maybe, maybe even over 25 years, if I'm really counting. At Walters Kluwer, I'm managing a suite of products that serve community banks and credit unions in the United States. We basically support these institutions through mortgage, consumer, commercial um, and deposit verticals. So all types of lending as well as um, deposit accounts and any type of retirement account. So I'm here to help you guys um, understand a little bit more around what it means to be resilient and how to accelerate some of the transformations that we need in today's world.
0: Brilliant, and we really appreciate you um, joining us today for this, Um, and we find it's going to be a really interesting conversation. Um, So let me set the scene. Uh, Over the last 12 months, we've seen a seismic shift in in customer and consumer behavior, which has predominantly been driven by the pandemic. Um, as a result, we've seen businesses trying to pivot and adapt to these changes, and none non more than the banks. Um, Samir, from your perspective, what have been the biggest challenges that banks have faced over the past 12 months, particularly from that operational side?
1: Sure. So... You know, from a traditional sense of banking, it's been, you know, either I'm I'm offering a product to loan money out or I'm offering a product that uh, a consumer wants to put money in and, and and see it grow. So investments or or even just deposit and checking um, type of accounts. And, and the challenge has been is how do you serve those customers? Whenever there's been change in the industry, it's been, okay, I have product one or I have product two and my delivery mechanisms are A or B. Sometimes we have multiple delivery mechanisms. And what's happening in banks is that they're traditionally coming up with the way of thinking of how to serve the customer and not necessarily always taking the customer input. I think what the last 12 months have dictated to a lot of banks is that's not going to work in this situation. The pandemic itself has kind of put more burdens into how to operate from both physical and digital means. So physically, can customers go into a bank branch? And that's a distribution model for a bank. And with, you know, the government's taking control and putting lockdowns in place, you can't necessarily transact that way. So, you know, it takes a open ear and a higher listening level of how does a customer want to transact? How can they physically transact? And a lot of banks have now gone into the digital world where they're saying, okay, this is, this is the place where I can offer a product and a customer can interact with me and conduct business. So I think a lot of it is about listening to the market. There are so many different types of fintechs that are showing up in order to assist banks in it, but you know the comfort zone isn't there. So a lot of banks need to get comfortable and start to understand how to change and how to transition into serving their clients through a digital means. And that and it's a big change because the brick and mortar branches are what the traditional distribution market is. It's a physical and digital ultimately entity that needs to be now flipped a little bit. You may not need as much presence in in a physical space as you will with a digital one
0: so I think i agree I agree Samir. I think the point that you alluded to um earlier was that we saw some of this transformation previously. Um, and that's kind of the, you know, the acceleration of the FinTech market. And I think that came about from this idea of uh, customer experience and having a much more customer centric approach. Um, but I believe that over the last 12 months, the pandemic has really shifted us into that digital banking space. And like you say, it's the it's the collaborations now that these banks may need to achieve with these FinTech um, partners. Um, We've known that banks have always been a bit uh, known as traditionalists and slow to change. Um, how have they gone about this change management um, from uh, the normal physical architecture that they used to to this more digital um, transformation?
1: This is a huge, huge push, and, and I think where it gets into is a lot of third-party management. The first piece of it has been, you know, how do I manage a fintech? And what are the right FinTechs for me to, to do business with? So what we've seen is you know some of the larger institutions have, have given birth or, to a consultancy that takes place where they'll, they'll, they'll tell a third party consultant to say, hey, go, go run an RFP for me and tell me who the best practice companies are or the best financially viable companies are for me to do business because I need to make sure that these transactions are secure I need to make sure that I'm taking care of my customer first and that they provide products that will allow me to extend to an online presence. And, and that can be pretty you know, groundbreaking of a shift in mindset just for the traditional way of doing banking. They feel that by using a third-party consultant, there's a little bit of leverage and protection from making a decision where they may not have expertise. So I think that that's one way that we look at how fintechs are coming alive. There have been some aggregators for the large, for very large institutions, as opposed to independent contractors that are coming about and applying a, you know, request for information or request for proposal type of consultancy. What they're doing is they're collecting all types of information around vendors. One of them, I, I believe is called TrueSight that that's pretty popular out there. And a lot of national uh, banks are using them to aggregate information so that they can make better decisions about products and services. That's that's one one avenue. The other avenue I'll bring up is differentiation in the fintech world by products for the customer experience. You know we're we're in some hard times, and what we're seeing is the traditional actual loan products are changing. And so when you look at companies like SoFi, where you can get financing at the micro level, and you can get, and you can have different types of terms that traditional banks don't normally have. But many of those Many of those companies are banks themselves, but they also partner with banks. They say, hey, if your customer is going to come to you, we'll be your fintech. We'll be your front end. You know, um, we're we're an established bank ourselves, but we're also an established um, provider of technology services for banking. And they'll be your customer the whole way. So if they use our technology and you can then. Get a a revenue share on product type that we offer. So there's, I think what we'll see in the next year, maybe plus, are a a new set of differentiation of products based on how customers really want to experience banking. It's not just going to be around can I get to you on a mobile device or can I can I interact with you in a digital way?
0: Yeah. No, and I I totally agree. I totally agree with that. I think to take that to a I, sp- I suppose a step back because I suppose it's that differentiation between this idea of banking as a service um, and also allowing your proprietary te- uh, proprietary technologies um, to set you afield field uh, to offer those services to other fintechs. Um, but I suppose taking that back a little bit, where is you, where is the starting point on this strategic pathway? So. Um, when a banking institution looks at themselves and they've needed to pivot, are there a number of, um, strategic points that they roadmaps they need to go to, to facilitate this, um, thought process
1: or. I think the first portion of it is to make a conscious decision that we're going to go, uh, digital and, and that commitment needs to be there because it's not going to be an easy one. It, It changes the way that you serve the client and it changes your operation as well. So, um, you you have to settle on a technology, but then you also have to settle on an operating mode. Your customer service needs to be, you know, very phone oriented, or you know, around the chat bots that people use for live help. That that changes the way that you think about about serving a customer. And um, so it's it's a pretty big endeavor. It's not just let me buy some technology and put it into play. You now have to have a operations manager that will also stretch capability and experience into a new world where customers are very demanding and we want instant gratification and problem solved right away. Um, So you you have to worry about phone calls and accessibility, you have to worry about online um, help that's available, and you have to make sure that the experience of the actual product itself applies enough self-help and enough self-information um, for customers and consumers to navigate appropriately. And there are many different things that you can, you you can think about feature wise in there, but I think those are the basics. And, and once you, once you've noted down, Hey, I I want to administer my own help, right? I want to have a third party administer help. um, that's when you can start to say, okay, these are the things I want in my, my request among vendors out there, and fintechs out there to be solved for. And clearly, you know, you have to make some conscious decisions also on what your expectations are and how you're going to market it, because um, every part of the business, at the end of the day, it is a business, needs to be looked at in terms of can you acquire new customers this way, or is it really going to be just about saving the current customers that are there and they don't get attracted by your competitors?
0: Yeah, no, exactly, and I suppose who who sets that? Who has the responsibility of setting setting that strategy? So, is it a collaboration with um, the chief operating officer with the business unit heads to identify the products and services and how you mitigate those changes, or is it is it driven just at that business unit head level within these uh, banking institutions?
1: No, I think it's a collaboration, as you as you mentioned, between the technology officer the operations officer, and the head of the business unit.
0: So I think it takes us nicely into the into how technology is playing a pivotal role um, within all industries, um, especially into the banking industry. Um, we've talked about how working with fintech partners who are creating proprietary technologies to utilize for banks, um, but w- what are the roles, Samir, that you've seen with AI and automation within um, banking institutions? Um, both from, I suppose, a product and services play, but also um, creating kind of this, uh, the employee workflow?
1: So, great question, and and I think it's gonna have a very large play, I think it's just starting right now. It's really around auto-decisioning. It's taking domain expertise that was once in humans, and, you know, it's it's a craft that's kind of like fleeting in the banking industry, actually where domain experts understand credit risk and understand all the different facets that go into the parts of lending to ensure that the bank's making good decisions about where it's distributing its funds uh, and, and collecting interest on. What we've seen is a rise in, in a need for personnel that have that expertise. In, in larger institutions, you have an underwriting department, they can build the expertise in smaller institutions. You have to go to industry to get that. And there are not so many individuals available that are experts necessarily at underwriting or experts all the way through with credit risk. And so what we find is that we need people, right? If we're, if we're institutions operating in a mid to, to small level institution, we need, we need people there. And the reliance is now going to, hey, technology partner or FinTech partner, do you have auto-decisioning capabilities? I'll, I have a credit risk officer, but they can't make decisions on every deal coming in. And I wanna make really good decisions on my, on my risk in the portfolio. You know, we need AI tools to do auto-decisioning. Um, it's slowly becoming, I think, a standard. And we wanna do it in a compliant way and, and in a way that um, we get comfortable with. And you can see this kind of coming into banking over the last few decades, actually. Now, if you go back to the, to the 90s uh, to get a credit card, uh, you would fill out a piece of paper and you'd send it in, and then a decision would be made somewhere within weeks for you to get a new credit card. Either you, you're getting a, a letter back saying you were denied or you're getting a letter with a package associated with it with the new card. Today, if we wanted to do the same transaction, we go online, we apply for the credit card, they give us the temporary number, they say the, the the true physical hardware is going to come in the mail, right? And in some cases, like Apple, they'll just load it to your Apple wallet immediately. That is what we're talking about for all types of lending and where AI gets involved. We were able to apply static rules in the in the role of, a, of an unsecured debt. When we start talking about secured debt, what are the different facets that that, that technology will play a role? We'll also go into how to forecast what will happen in a transaction over time. So when we, we look at commercial type of lending, those deals are typically complex or they have very specific nuances with them. Uh, or you know, if you're familiar with the term tickler or AKA it's a, it's a reminder of something that needs to take place on the deal on an annual basis or in some certain time frame, And they sometimes have financial impacts. So you're gonna use AI to assist in the workflow and assist in the evaluation for say, you know, a, a, an automated result or valuation.
0: Oh, well, it's based it on that. said it's, it's a really interesting piece. Um, and AI is obviously clearly playing a huge part in, in automating services and help deducing credit where required, whether it's from a consumer level or even at that higher degree in a higher level of investment level. Um, but like you, like you mentioned, I think looking, if we're looking future gazing a little bit, um, there is a challenge that's been highlighted with AI, um, in relation to its governance. Um, so the exposure of, um, how does it deduce who should receive credit or loan attribution? Who, you know, is this investment viable? Um, how do you foresee perhaps banks trying to overcome that? Issue mm-hmm. is it you've got a policy and compliance? Is it
1: be very careful? I mean it, because start using AI that takes in into account some of the demographics of the actors involved in the transaction, we've seen it actually have a bias. And so the the advice I would say it's it's too early to fully employ it for institutions looking at it, but you have to be very cautious, obviously, with any new technology and employ it in the ways where you're not looking at demographic data, right? Maybe it's a today it exists as an assistant to your human being. And tomorrow it's just being trained to to be non-biased, right? Or we're finding the the right decision criteria is for um it to not look at all data, but to look for a very specific data set in which it can help make decisions on.
0: Yeah. I do, and i i totally i totally foresee that occurring working with um, other technology groups um it is a very precarious question that needs to keep uh, come up especially um over the last twelve months where we've seen some bias across uh, diversity groups um but there's always a concern that AI may follow into this bias so um there will need to be kind of this policy making that allows us to move forward where this some of this deal proposition is still highlighted by governors, by an individual, by a human being. Um, I think one of the other places I'd like to touch, um, Samir, is how automation and perhaps AI is helping to develop product and services. So to allow businesses and banks to um, create better decision-making, if one would say. Um, would you be able to delve into that for us a, a little bit?
1: Sure, and and I think where you're going is into like predictive analytics for decision making. Um, AI has a role in that in terms of structuring data um, and how it's used, but I don't know if it's if it's going to be a true you know artificial intelligence piece of the puzzle. I I, I really I look at predictive analytics as a a method to to really, you know, forecast or tell us what's what to look out for in terms of risk. And um, an example for you is, is you know, default risk tolerance. If I have better information, then I can run some analytic around. They'll tell me a certain type of borrower or a certain type of product in a, in a specific industry that I'm lending on um, will act a certain way just based on the statistics. And I and I can use that. To determine whether I want to make a loan, I think that 's where we find that technology coming into play now the the AI part of it might be um, scouring for more for more background information than what I would buy off of a typical data provider and then co-mingling that that in and then and then ultimately being able to inform me what when i you know in real time when i 'm processing that loan but I think that that's, that's really where the, the heart of that goes, is how do, I, how do I defend against losses and how do I take advantage of an opportunity where I may not have, if I had a conservative um, risk rating.
0: So really interesting point Samir. So if a bank was to um, you know employ some of this new technology, um, where, does it, where does that take that for the customer? What does it mean for the customer?
1: What it means for the customer is actually pr- a pretty good thing. Um, those that may not have been lended to um, are able to, to acquire loans um, for, for the practices that they, they wish to. And also for the institution, it should give them a stronger basis for why they're making certain types of loans. So you know, all in all, I, I view it as, some, as a good way to employ technology and making better decisions where we, where we started this conversation from. And, and those better decisions go both ways, one, one to, to conduct business and then other times to not. Um, right now, today, we're, we're kind of going with, with a bit of human decision-making or, or you know, gut, so for lack of a better way to, to kind of put it together. We use analytics and we use our, our own intuition to make those decisions. And this makes it more fact-based around data and data-driving function.
0: So we've, we've been talking about some of these elements on, on how it plays out for the customer, Samir, um, on some of the points you just mentioned. Um, that takes us nicely into the steer of customer experience. So we've talked about customer centricity uh, being a key way in which banks now need to uh, repivot their businesses for rather than creating products or, uh, you know, services that are um, made by their own uh, intuitions. So we're now looking at creating this kind of more customer experience look. Um, the technology is playing a huge role within this customer support play. Um, how are you seeing this uh, this transition um, from previously to now, um, and how it's now supporting creating that better UI for the customers?
1: Yeah, great, great question. So, yeah, you know, we we covered decision making well, and the other side of it is. Using the same technology to really understand what customer experience is, right? Can you monitor what customers are doing when they're interacting with you? So, if you've made the choice to go digital, then the next part about it is serving on digital and, and really catering to customers that are that are on the um, systems that they're that you're having them interact with you on. There's an interesting kind of story here in in the U.S. You know, many many people around this time frame. Um, are completing their taxes, right? There's a multitude of software out there that allows you to, to assist and, and get that complete. And in this example, I'm going to give you, you know, what we're talking about as an individual going guided through their tax form uh, filling. And the AI kicks on and, and a chat box opens with a, with a bot that says, hey, can I help you? Can I give you information on on where you are? the user then has, a, has an action to take, whether it's, no, I'm, I know what I'm doing, I'm just looking at a few things, or two, yes, I'd like some information, let me read it on screen. Um, that's customer support number one, right? And this could really take down the expenses with your operation, but it also enables you to provide superior customer experience and support. So as the AI is working with and watching the user as they're going through the application, say they continue to fumble and they continue to have some, some difficulties, then um, the chat box can come on again and recognize that and ask them, hey, you know, I have an expert, a real person expert that I can connect you with. Would you like to have a, a short discussion on what, you're, what you seem to be having difficulty with? Now, the, the uniqueness about this is that sounds great. Right. If I'm a customer, I now I I don't have to wait on a telephone line on hold and the system knows that I'm having difficulty with it. It gave me advice right in the topic that I'm having difficulty with, as well as being able to get somebody on a phone or on a chat with me immediately. That is a game changer for customer experience, because now it's got contextual information about exactly where someone is in the transaction and what type of help that they need, as opposed to you know if I was calling the general helpline, I'd have to start from scratch and explain everything. And and I think that that's something that's gonna become very apparent in banking because as even your operations team is going through something and they may need help with the software itself, the software provider, the consumer may need help directly from the bank as well. So I think that's a really big part of AI is understanding the customer experience, using that intelligence to really give uh, insights and support at a superior level than it's ever been before.
0: I think we I, I totally agree in that sense. And I think the it's almost this personalization, but where, where we talk about this customer experience, we're also talking about that employee experience, the fact that you can use utilize AI not only from a kind of internal operations standpoint to identify some challenges, but like you mentioned with the actual employee, you can, uh, with the customer, sorry, where we can look at exactly where they need to transition from uh, a chatbot or an AI to an actual specialist within that space. Um, So yeah, how successful have banks been so far with that kind of deployment?
1: I think it's just starting. Um, I can tell you that non-banks have been very, very successful with it. Uh, but we're just starting to see that show up with banks.
0: So Samir, like you mentioned, obviously this is, this is right at its infancy uh, where banking institutions are integrating this type of technology and uh, providing this customer experience. Um, what kind of challenges do you think could be posed in the next couple of years in relation to, to, to utilization of this experience?
1: I think it's going to be around standard practices on how to, how to answer um, the, the specific scenarios. You know, we really do want a custom, you know, a custom experience for each individual user type. And, and, and I think we don't have that knowledge right now of exactly which, which type of user does what. And it's evolving. So, you know, the danger and the, the big challenge, I don't think will be the technology. I think it'll be about how the technology is is implemented and used. And, you know, if you end up with something that's similar to a FAQ, you know, frequently asked question and answer, then, you know, and we see that today where people just dump the, the FAQs into their chat box um, answers and you can have a completely disconnected uh, conversation with what's supposed to be a, a, a help utility. And can get very frustrating and that can turn customers off. So I think it's gonna be a really big challenge. um, And we have to handle delicately, especially when you're talking about a bank um, providing a financial transaction. We feel differently with consumer products and objects than we do with our money. You know, that, that, I think that's something we just got to look out for and be very, very diligent about.
0: Yeah, and I suppose that's going to come into, into how you build your resiliency um, as a business, where you try and keep your customer attention as all this transformation happens. Um, getting your customer experience right on the front end um, would be pivotal in about how your market share as a banking institution holds fair in, in the near future,
1: would you say? Absolutely, absolutely. This is not a, you can't treat it like a B2B or or, or something like that. There's something to be learned from the the consumer world,
0: Great. Um, so, to me, just just oh, um, well, kind of running out of a little bit of time now. So, um, we've talked about some really interesting areas. Um, you know, where it comes to looking at um, how technology play is going to play a monumental role for banks and some of the shifts that have already occurred. Um, how there's a need for a huge collaboration internally with banks to make sure that they make the right decisions uh, for their businesses moving forward, along with the partnerships with tech, uh, potential fintech partners. Um, as as this kind of topic is around intelligent banking operations, um, are there any, you know, three or four key takeaways for you of um, what's what's most important within the operation strategy to try and get it right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, uh, what we'll leave folks thinking about is if you've got a legacy system, is the legacy system serving you or is it impeding you? It's a really big, big discussion or a big topic to, to kind of first head on and, uh, and understand. Uh, and that'll be the impetus for change. Usually, legacy systems are, are holding us back from. Of, evolving what we can do in our business because we, we end up catering to what the technology says we could do. Today, the technologies are more flexible for our customer experience. So we got to pay attention to that customer, uh, really listen to the marketplace about what they need, and that'll allow us to be successful and sustain future business. The new technologies on the block, got to pay attention to them. They're you know AI, predictive analytics, you know auto decisioning, and, and ultimately, the same technology will assist us in creating a superior customer experience. So, you know, those are the the things that I would I would highly advocate for any banking executive to pay attention to, and that's how we'll embrace the digital transformation for the, for the future.
0: Brilliant, um, and I think that's a good way for us to to, to wrap up the the episode. So, um, thank you, Samir, for joining us today. Um, And look out for our next uh, podcast episode. Thank
1: Thank you.